everybody out there in podcast land. This is your host of Firecast, Severin Henderson. Um, the podcast is presented by Department 3C. And this is an episode that I recorded in May of 2022. It'll probably come out sometime in July. I had a few issues trying to hunt down the audio for it. I had another file. I erased the file. I sent it the wrong way. I just did everything wrong that you can think to do wrong when it comes to sending a podcast and getting it to get out. So all my fault, but good for me. I found a way to adapt and overcome. So we do have the episode and if the audio quality isn't the best, again, that's all because of me. It's all my fault. Um, the producers here at Fire and Iron really saved me. So thanks to them. Shout out to them. But to go along with this episode, we talked to Brent Van Burani of the Indiana River Rescue School. Um, it's down in South Bend, Indiana. It's a week-long class, and it's really one of the best classes that I've ever taken. So if you have the opportunity to take it, you should. We talk about why inside the episode. And on top of that, I wrote a blog article that goes along with it, where you can and you can find it at www.department3c.com. And as always, if you have any feedback for us, we'd love to hear from you. Um, info at department3c.com is where you can send us anything that you like to say you love it you hate it um and that's it so i hope you take some time to enjoy the episode and again please offer us any feedback thanks for listening everybody out there in podcast land this is your host Severin Henderson back again with another episode of Firecast I'm here with Brent Van Burani okay I want to make sure I got no, it, right. got it <laughs> Indiana River Rescue School um this is a class that I took a couple weeks ago and they're giving another class now I'm going to get some extra video put in there and just show how awesome the class is I wrote an article on it because I was just so impressed by everything that went on. So, enough from me, more from you. Brett, tell us about the um, tell us about the Indiana River Rescue School, how it started, and all that other fun stuff. Okay, um, it actually started with uh, guys that aren't, a lot, aren't around anymore. You know, 40 years ago almost, coming up next year on 40 years. So back in 1983, uh, some of our predecessors uh, came up with the idea to uh, bring a school for water rescue to South Bend. Uh, they, they got their original training from the Ohio DNR, which is one of the first outfits that taught water rescue. And they brought what they learned back to South Bend to utilize what's the East Race, mm -hmm. uh, that I'm sure you'll see in some of the video pictures. Mm -hmm. um, East Race Waterway is a natural whitewater uh, rafting and kayaking uh, event or uh, uh, a location. And then our dam, which is just adjacent to the, the head gates of these race, is another uh, great training environment for them to utilize. And so they developed this school and it's progressed over the years into some new techniques and new equipment and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, um, we've been pretty consistent with what we, uh, what we believe is uh, you know, the good teachings of whitewater rescue. Okay, so awesome. So yeah, like you said, about 40 years of teaching and training, that's awesome. And I'm sure the program has grown from then. And the class that I took a couple weeks ago, 
like I said, to me it was just phenomenal. The equipment that you got, the training that you have, the instructors that you have. Um, I know everything's a process, but how did you build up to make the program to where it's at now? You know, I, I think it was that foundation that those guys back in the 80s, uh, you know, uh, brought to the forefront. Mm -hmm. There was a couple of, um, you know, pieces of literature that they drew from mm -hmm. uh, that still is around today. Yeah. Um, and then they teamed up with the Indiana DNR, which okay. we still teach with. Those are uh, some of our primary instructors that we uh, teach alongside with. And, you know, they've got a, a huge skill set from the, white, uh, the, well, the water uh, realm of things. You know, the, the Indiana DNR and law enforcement, they, they spend most of their time uh, in, a, in and around the water tributaries uh, within Indiana and all over the country. And so between their knowledge and the knowledge they, they received from their original training, uh, that's how it all began. And then keeping up on it, you know, all of our instructors, uh, you know, are really dedicated individuals. So they, they constantly self-study and try to, to really uh, bring to the class the, the most up-to-date pieces of equipment, um, different techniques, um, all those things that are evolving throughout the rescue world um, to our school. And we've gained great relationships with other uh, instructors from around the country okay. uh, through our Indiana, our International Association of Water Rescue Professionals. Okay. And that's a conference we hold here in South Bend. And that was, that's what you made me right into what I was going to ask you about next. When I was doing the research for the article, um, you guys give out some literature to begin with on your website. And I clicked on that and it took me to the other school. Um, and, and it seemed like from reading it, getting into that conference or having that conference is a big deal. I definitely think it's a big deal if you're having it here in South Bend. Right. So can you tell me a little bit more about that organization? Yeah, it's a, it's an organization. I wish I could tell you exactly how long it's been around, uh, probably close to 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. um, it's a culmination of different instructors throughout the country okay. uh, uh, pertaining to water rescue that got together and uh, developed an organization where we could bring like minds together and decide what's being taught and what, what should be taught and, and uh, just kind of bounce ideas back and forth and just uh, it's a really unique situation where it's not competitive, it's more like a give and take mm -hmm. and we want to make sure that we're all learning from each other. And then the students that come to the conference then gain that, uh, that same uh, knowledge set. You know, the good thing about it is it's really a networking event more yeah. than anything else yeah. uh, and allows us to learn uh, as we go along as well. Um, it'd be remiss to say that uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Dave Apt. He's uh, currently uh, an employer with Mustang Survival and he was one okay. of the main players that brought all these people together. So he's in the private sector of the, the rescue world mm -hmm. and he had you know relationships with all of us as instructors and brought us together and that's kind of how it started. That's awesome. Yeah. I like the fact that you said it's not like a competition. It's a meeting of the minds pretty much because no matter where you're at, if you get there faster than I get there, it's not going to affect the rescue any different if you're doing it like we have people here from Montana this week yeah. or yeah. versus where I'm at in Chicago. It's, you know, you need to know what, you, what you're doing either way. Now, another thing that you mentioned that I thought was really cool was those guys who started the program way back in the day. I think it was in part of the PowerPoint presentation or somebody showed it on a piece of paper. But they, like, literally drew the entire river and put, like, the low end, the high end, left, right, uh, just everything on that piece of paper. And we've come so far again today with the class 
but you guys still utilize that, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, not even so much out of traditional, mm -hmm. but because of how accurate it was. Right. Honestly. Right. Uh, you know, we could take, uh, you know, Google images and all these different satellite images and, and kind of do the same thing. But, uh, you know, what they drew up back then, almost 40 years ago, was uh, exactly how the water is today. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of neat for the students to also see that, you know, it's timeless and something so simple could be so, you know, so useful. So effective, yeah. right. And in the fire service overall, it's a lot of, why we do it this way? Cause that's how we always did it. But that's not <laughs> the case with this. It's actually still working and still accurate. Yeah. yeah. So I, I love that about the school. Um, now, equipment wise, what have you seen change from kind of when you first started to where we're at today? Um, you talked about the Mustang suits. I know we got the boats are a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, as far as PPE is concerned, it has changed dramatically. Even in my short, you know, 15 years doing the instructing portion of this, is that back when I first started this, and and even further back, most people were wearing wetsuits mm -hmm. or uh, or nothing at all. Um, and you know, oh boy. we know from you know the different deployments that we've been on, and, and the different hazards that we go into. Not only uh, hazards within our own self, uh, you know, our uh, you know, impact hazards, but also environmental hazards. Right. Uh, dry suits became the standard across the industry of water rescue because it does keep you contained and uh, protects you from the elements. Uh, you know, we, we're going into floodwaters. We teach a lot of floodwater type skills, and that's really what's happening around the country. And in those floodwaters is some pretty bad stuff. Right. So um, I think that's that's probably the the biggest change from a, a PPE perspective or a personal protective equipment. Um, and then you have you know boats, different types of boats. Now we have really high end um, inflatable rescue boats. Um, where we used to use John boats, which are still used in many parts of the country still today because of their ability to withstand a beating. Right. Um, but, uh, but inflatable boats are also something that's more prevalent. Uh, they're quite more expensive, but they have a lot of uses. Um, I think maybe you saw a PWC or a jet ski just drive by here. Oh, that was awesome. For the, um, for the yeah, those are new. <laughs> that's, that's, that's newer. I mean, there's some down, uh, pluses and minuses. There's some downsides to it, but there's also a lot of upsides. It's fast and it's uh, efficient to put in the water, um, and it can act as a, a good uh, rescue craft. Um, and then they're just small things, you know, small pieces of equipment, rope rescue equipment that we didn't have before. Um, but you know what, to be honest with you, a lot of the skill sets have remained the same. Yeah. You know, uh, there may be a piece of equipment that allows you to do it a little bit better, uh, but uh, the overall concept behind water rescue is, you know, pretty consistent with what it was back then. Now, equipment-wise, again, you you like the best interview ever because you keep leading me into the next thing I'm thinking <laughs> anyway. But you talked about rope systems, and I um, I read the prerequisites for the class before I got in, and rope was on there but I really wasn't expecting to need as much rope knowledge as I did once I came into the class. So was that something those guys were doing way back 40 years ago or uh, is that newer? They were, not to the extent that we're doing it now. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, different states require you to do different skill sets within the rope uh, world and, and then tie it into water. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of drove us to include some of those skill sets. So they weren't doing high lines or any of those uh, specialty rope operations they were just doing simple vertical evolutions they weren't including uh, artificial high directionals uh, mm -hmm. back then uh, which we do now um, so they've always done it it's just that we took it to a whole nother level 
um, because we're teaching people not only from Indiana anymore like they were, right. but we're teaching people from all over the country, right. and they, they actually need that skill set and how to adapt it to their environment. Right. Um, so that's a big portion of our school for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's exactly what you got, guys from all over. And that's that's awesome. Like I said, we have people here from Montana in our class. We have some people from the Carolinas. Um, so I'm sure you get people from all over the country. Now. Um, another question I had just concerning gear and the, like you talked about the dry suit versus the wet suit. These suits now are specially designed for swift water. Like, I know a couple of classes before, people were really wearing dry suits, like um, scuba suits. But now it's a suit for swift water purposes only. So, can you just tell listeners a little bit of the difference between the traditional scuba dry suit and the swift water dry suit? Yeah, uh, mobility is number one, yes. okay? Um, you're not under the water and uh, you're on top of the water, so the movements that your body has to make is a, a little bit more aggressive. Um, so they need to have the dexterity or the movement, a free range of motion. Um, so, so that's probably the biggest difference. Um, the thickness of the material is less also to be able to be a little bit more breathable and, and allow you to move a little bit better. There's padding in different areas that obviously a diver doesn't really need a lot of padding in, in different areas that we need for top water. I'm going to tell about you know? the padding. That you need that padding on that backside. <laughs> yeah. Some yeah. of those rocks in that river, it's not especially deep, but it moves fast and yeah. it hits. So, yeah. You know, these 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 uh, manufacturers really listen to the... the, the, uh, the uh, uh, recommendations. Yeah, the recommendations from us instructors or even the, uh, the students and all the different manufacturers that work with us. Knee pads to yep. adjustable neck seals yep. because some of these suits are being worn in long duration events like eight hours, 12 hour operational periods during floods. Yep. You got to be comfortable. You can't have a uh, you know, a neoprene neck seal that's you know, choking, choking you out whole time. You know, yep. for eight hours, but you can use that in different applications when it's a, a quick rescue. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of the differences. Okay. Um, another, like I said, this class was just so awesome to me. This is one of the best classes I ever took, like for real. But another thing that was pretty cool was the swimming that you had to do. I mean, even though you got on the PFD, you still got to get out there and get them laps and get them kicks in. So like I have a fitness tracker and it, like, every day I went home, what did you do today? That's what they <laughs> yeah. was asking. What yeah. did you do to strain yourself so much today? And it was just all that swimming. So this is a physical class. So can you just talk to me a little bit about the physicality of it? It's ex it's extremely physical, and it builds upon itself. Yes. So the first day, uh, we do do a pool session the first day that allows you to get your feet wet, yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better term, but also, you know, get in the water. But then the next day we do a little bit more in the water of swift water. Mm -hmm. And then the day uh, on Wednesday, we really ramp it up a little bit more and do uh, more in water rescue stuff. And then by today on Thursday, it's full go, yeah. uh, higher risk maneuvers and, and aggressive swimming. Uh, and then on Friday, we, we finish up with some scenarios that kind of put it all together. Uh, but it's non-stop. I mean, we don't we don't want to have a lot of downtime. We start at 8 a.m. in the morning, and we end at uh, five or you know so around there. And, and it's it's everything in between is go go go. It's a real day. Like if you haven't read the article, I'll point you to that because I think I hit every point that I can think of about what the class offers and what it entails. Um, so I won't go over all of that for the listen session. But. Um, uh, one other question, well, statement I pretty much had. 
is when we were studying, it's talking about swift water being one or more foot of water going one and a half more knots. Yeah, we're one, going one, anything over one knot is considered swift water. Okay. Okay. Or so 1.15 miles per hour. That's what I. That's what I'm yeah. doing. Yeah. So I remember in my first year as a rookie firefighter in Chicago, we got a real bad flood. We had fire ducts where the trains go over a bridge, and then it just floods. Mm -hmm. So we got there, and there was a woman standing on top of her car, and she like, ah, help me. And I, if I would have had this class, I would have known a better job of what to do. Yeah. But my officer was like, go out there and get her. So all I have on is my fire and my bumper coat. Really? And I go out there and water just floods my entire boot. I was still able to walk through. Right. But little did I know I was in a swift water situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way back then. Uh. So the, the, the reason I tell that story is to get the point across, you may not think what you're learning here will be relevant, but if you're in the rescue career, a rescue situation, you'll find some way to use this. What do you think about it? Oh, I, you know, we teach, we teach the whole process of water rescue from reaching rescues all the way to go rescues and even helicopters type stuff. So um, somewhere along that matrix, you're gonna find something that is useful for your agency and, and what you may see in your career. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you may not see the most advanced stuff that we teach, uh, but you'll see something in between. And the, the, the fact that you were you were trained in the advanced portion of that is going to allow you to act at a, at a level that's uh, you know in control at the levels in between. So I think I think it, it all helps whether or not you're going to use it or not. You know? Yeah. Um, Last question, I'll let you get out of here. Well, last couple questions. Um, we talked about the conference at the beginning. Um, just a little bit more information. It's held here in South Bend, correct? Yeah, there's two separate uh, conferences with iWork. One in California, okay, uh, which is in uh, March time frame. Yeah, March, March time frame uh, in Chico, California. Uh -huh. And then uh, the main conference that, uh, that started it all is held here in uh, South Bend in June. Okay. Um, you can uh, go to the uh, iWork website and register for that conference uh, from year to year. Um, you're going to get some hands-on type training. We see at the school here, a little bit of taste of that. There's also a whole day of lectures that you'll get. There's a command track that you can get from a command perspective. So it's uh, it's pretty involved. It's a good networking uh, event for you. And uh, the vend there's a vendor showcase, uh, okay. dinners, and all sorts of good stuff there. It's, it's a lot of fun. And I'm sorry, well, I'm from Cleveland, with listeners know that, Ohio originally. And I moved to Chicago about 14 years ago now. And I've only been through South Bend to get back to Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't realize how beautiful the city is. Like, um, even when you're going along the rivers, people have up signs, we love South Bend and everything else. So just kind of tell the listeners, just uh, amp up for the river, why this is the center for the conference because I mean the river has to have a lot to do with it in well, the beauty of the city. Yeah I mean it's centrally located Indiana's in itself is kind of centrally located in, in the United States a little bit so it allows for people to get here fairly easily from all over the country. Um, it uh, it really lends itself well because of the logistics of our site mm -hmm. similar to why our our school is so successful. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to travel 
far to get to different training sites. Everything is within walking distance. Right. And not to mention it's also directly adjacent to our conference center in the South Bend area right. with many hotel locations and uh, places to eat. So logistically, it's just, you, you just can't beat it. Um, and uh, between that and what we have is the best training site in the country is the East Race. Yep. It's it's a no-brainer why it's it's remained here. Another thing about the East Race, I know we were talking about in the um, PowerPoint portion of the class, this was when Chicago was bidding, not for the 2010-ish Olympic time, but before that in the 80s. 84? 84? 83? 83, they were bidding. Yeah, 83 Olympics. This was one of the sites that they were looking that's at. What, that's what spurred the idea to um, re-excavate what was an old uh, waterway mm -hmm. and make it into what it is today is a whitewater kayaking, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, location that was going to be used for the Olympic trials mm -hmm. and possibly for the Olympics during uh, the Chicago Olympics that they would have. So we just lucked out and now we have this uh, amazing training environment. Yes. And there's still a lot of recreational stuff that happens on it as well, rafting and, and things like that. It's, it's really cool when you look at it from every angle. It's like, it's a hidden gem for me, so I found somewhere new. So yeah, you're not far. Really, exactly, back. it didn't take me no time to get down here. I told the family I gotta bring them back. Just to, some of the places I ate when I was down here was great, yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you so, so much. Is there anything that you think I should ask you that I didn't ask you, anything? Any no, I, you want to hit? Not, not really, uh, Severin. I appreciate the, uh, the blog post that you put up. I think that was a, uh, very informative. Uh, it's always fun to talk to somebody that's been through the course and, and kind of get a, a look at it from your perspective. So yeah. I appreciate you. All right. Well, I appreciate you. Thanks for letting me come down. Thanks. Thanks a whole bunch. All right, brother. All right.